Mina, welcome. Hi, Coach. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for this opportunity. I can't wait to talk to you. I'm so happy. I'm so grateful when I speak a fellow coach. It's just this is like I said before we had a little chat. This is such a lonely job to have, especially now with the pandemic. Just sit behind your computer. You see faces. Sometimes you only hear it on Skype. So I'm so happy to meet a, a co-worker, so to speak. Uh, and you, you, I mean, you had a pretty, pretty crazy career already. Like I just I'm just you know, showing up here in the coaching world and you've been doing this for a long time. So tell me a little bit. No, so it's great. Um, and I think you're right. We probably need um, some kind of, you know, um, group meeting once in a while mm. so we can help keep, keep each other sane. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I was taught to teach people how to meditate, do yoga meditation when I was 18. And that kind of quietly set me on a path to coaching before coaching was a business. But it just meant that I was privately available to people who wanted to enhance their spiritual journey. You know, I lived a life in business. You know, I paid bills and raised a son and, you know, lived a regular life. And then as my son left the house and was on his own, I was working as a business consultant. And I thought, I think I could add coaching in now. Mm. Um, it had been a profession for about 10 years. And so uh, I did, I added in coaching. I took on some pro bono clients to start and get my feet wet. And so now I do business and personal coaching and it's, it's very fulfilling. So my clients sometimes just choose the personal side, sometimes just choose the business side and mm. sometimes they order the combo platter and I'm happy with whatever they choose. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, that's such a, big array of knowledge that you have but, but let's just start at the beginning how do you get interested in meditation at 18 like when i think about young girls in america at 18 probably drinking having parties doing craziness you know high school life but you chose another route well i maybe i was an old soul i don't know you know mm. the yoga meditation suggests reincarnation so i've had a lot of laps around the sun in this life but i'm pretty confident i had other lives so, um, yeah, I, uh, I think I showed up uh, as part of my mission in this life to do this work. So, but I was a bookworm. I still read 50 books a year. Wow. And so I was not a party animal. <laughs> so <laughs> I, have, I have a twin sister who was the party animal. And so she's a fraternal twin. But if you know any twins, they sort of divide and conquer. You know, she's your friend. She's my friend. This is my group. This is your group. So... I was a tomboy and I played sports all afternoon and then I read books <laughs> so, mm. and she partied and knew um, every gentleman within five radius miles and um, was the very popular girl. So yeah, I just took the other track, but um, yeah, so kind of an internal inquiry. I was reading science fiction at 13, you know, read the entire backlist of Robert Heinlein one summer, mm. and then was disappointed that he had died and there were no more books. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, so I've had a strong interior life, we could say, and that's helpful uh, for coaching. Interesting. <laughs> you know what? I've uh, had a comment a couple days ago, probably not a nice guy with not good intentions, but a very interesting <laughs> question <laughs> that I that, that really, um, helped me get a little bit of insight about myself. And he asked on my YouTube channel, what in the world are you thinking? How are you so delusional that you think you can help other people? 
And I was oh. like, that's so interesting. Like, I know you don't intend it to be good, <laughs> but it's yes. such an interesting question because I'm always wondering why coaches come up with the idea that they think that they can offer something of value in other people's lives, that they know something that they might not know or can help them in any way. I think your story offers the key of that in that you find it for yourself. You are seeking something, some sort of change, some sort of improvement, some sort of pivot. A catalyst appears in your life that says, you know, I need to settle down with a great gal or I need to get out of Iran or hey, whatever it is, a catalyst shows up and you make changes and then you find you're happy with some of the changes you made. And then other people say, hey, how'd you make that change? I saw that you did it. And, you know, in coaching, it's sort of monkey see, monkey do. You know, they have that hundred monkey theory that, you know, after so many people have accomplished something, then, oh, yeah, I know you could do that. Look at all these other people that have done it. But when you're the first one doing it or the fifth one doing it, people go, what is he thinking? You can't do that. Like, watch me. <laughs> so, and hey, if you ever want to do it, I can show you how. Mm. <laughs> so, I think that's what it is when you find you've overcome challenges yourself, so you know you can, and then you can think through what was the sequence, what was the catalyst, how did I accomplish it, could I replicate it, could I tell others? I think that's how we have the nerve to do it because we've done it ourselves. Interesting. So tell me a little bit about all those years in finances and big money world. How was that? You know, it's so interesting. I remember talking with a client. Um, who came from Africa. I don't remember the correct country. And um, she married an American, she met at college here and uh, was raising a family. And she said, can I just ask you a question about money? And I was a financial planner for American Express at the time. And I mm -hmm. said, it's what I do for a living, so ask away. She said, how come Americans are so afraid to talk about money? You know, with the friends that we have, the mom group for the toddlers and the people I know at work, you're not allowed to talk about money and it doesn't make sense we talk about other things but she said you think i was asking them questions about sex when i asked them questions about money <laughs> that's true said, that's I true i don't understand and i said well i think it has to do with status and i also think it has to do that so many people have functional financial illiteracy mm. they don't want to reveal their ignorance and so the conversations are very short because it feels judgmental and critical and they don't want to reveal that they really don't know why they're transferring one credit card to another credit card instead mm. of paying off the credit cards. So, yeah, it was interesting to have that outside perspective of why don't why is it not OK to ask questions about money? So um, but it was kind of coaching. That word wasn't used at the time. But, um, you know, all different kinds of people in circumstances. I've inherited money. Um, we're finally making a good living. I helped a gentleman <clears throat> buy a house. He got married. And then shortly after he married, again, she came from China. They were in the same doctoral program. They got married. And right away, she was pregnant with twins. Hmm. And so he's like, oh, my God, I need to buy a house and I need a car with two car seats bigger than the car we have now. That sort of panic of, wait, wait, my foundation's not in place. Mm. And I've got seven months until the twins are here. Mm. So he sat down with a financial planner, so let's make this happen. Um, so, yeah, you were, for me, of course, we put the financial blocks in place. Um, college funds and life insurance and helped him buy a house. 
Um, but yeah, so I think helping people be comfortable with the facilities of the tools of money was some of my early experience about how to talk with people around areas they were not comfortable talking about. Hmm. And what sets you apart from all the other business finance coaches and all the people in your in your industry? What do you think is your unique perspective? I think because I do both business and personal coaching um, that I take a holistic view and I'm also willing to take things off the table. It's funny, I know some business analysts and they say, oh, don't call me a coach when you refer me because I have to lower my rates if you do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an analyst, thank you very much. And I only talk business. Mm. I don't want to know about the teenage kids and I don't want to know about how his wife is unhappy. Mm. And so, um, yeah, so for some people, there's a very clear line of demarcation. And what makes me difference is everything's on the table. Let's start with your top three concerns. And um, they can all be business. They can all be personal. They can be the combo platter. But if we knock out the top three, your life is better right away. And we'll see if there's more work to do. Mm. And so I think that's a, a, a little refreshing, a little bit. Interesting. So I think... Because you've been in this game for a long time, you've seen the shifts, you've seen it change, you've seen social media affect the business and everybody jump in and, you know, short term gurus get in there and dabble the feet, get their feet wet a little bit and get out as soon as possible. They notice that there's not that much money in <laughs> and then they, um, you know, I think for you, it's, it's so interesting to see from the pretty much niche that it was an exclusive group of people who had access to that knowledge and who were respected and now all of a sudden everybody's talking motivational quotes and selling sessions and what's what's your view on that do you think it's good for the business well i don't know you know it used to be um when i was in tech i was one of the million people put on the beach if you will when tech collapsed so i was working for a small oracle consulting firm as the marketing director and um i guess cmo is what you would say today but that title did not exist then mm. and um they went from you know 100 people and you know 500 clients to six people and 25 clients mm. <laughs> you know they was part of this just collapse and um so everyone's on the beach at the same time what the work we were doing doesn't exist in quantity anymore so we're all in a pivot and so, um, you know, coaching can be helpful for people to navigate those things. But back during that time, they would say, what do you do? And you would say, I'm in consulting. And that was a euphemism for, oh, you're out of work. <laughs> you, know, you got laid off, you got caught in the tech crash, hmm. or you got caught in the banking crash, or the savings and loan real estate crash in California. I participated in all three of those. I, just, hmm. I never miss a crash. And, um, so, um, yeah, you would say you were a consultant. So now there's a joke um, that you're a coach and that means you're out of work <laughs> or you're finding yourself, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like people don't take it seriously. And um, there's a funny YouTube video from two women coaches, and I think it's from six or seven years ago. And I'm going to swear because it's in the title of the YouTube video, but you should look it up. Mm -hmm. And the title is, 
shit life coaches say. Mm. <laughs> All right, I'll rather. You know, it's like, oh, let me unpack that for you. You know, and, um, you know, the kinds of things people say that's sort of mumbo jumbo to get you through a meeting. And um, they don't know what they're doing. And so, you know, um, I think it's good that there are people embracing the opportunity to coach, but I think there certainly are coaches out there that have no business coaching. And like everything else, clients need to use their discernment. You know, um, whatever the background of the coach, if they're moving the needle for you, that's your metric. You know, I came to you with this set of circumstances and now I'm here. Good, it worked. You, you were worth your money. Thanks. So I think that's the only valuable metric is did the needle move for you and was it worth what you paid? And um, so using some discernment to select someone. Um, I think for you, you talk with people about their anxiety, about their performance, about their mindset. The next time they're gambling, the next time, you know, that they're making a crypto purchase, um, you know, is this um coaching that you've given them can they activate it can they use it can they make a difference in what their decision tree is whatever the matrix is they're using are they better off for having worked with you that's mm. what it is at the end of the day and if they come back the answer to that is yes they're better off having worked with you so one of the things i love best about coaching um and why i never wanted to be a therapist or a counselor is you do have metrics you take actions Absolutely. and you get results. Yeah. If you don't take the actions as a client, you don't get the results. And we know who's responsible for that. It would be you, the client. Yep. Yep. And if you take the actions and get the results, that means our partnership is working, you know? And so, but we have results or we don't. There's no, I wonder if it's working. You know, I've been talking to this therapist for a year about my dad and how he was mean to me. You know, I couldn't live like that. I need results for my clients. <laughs> Absolutely. And I need to be able to point to, I'm moving the needle for these people. I'm doing my work in the world. That's part of my satisfaction and happiness is the results they achieve. Yep. And so, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm totally with you on that. I, that's absolutely the biggest reason for me um, that I've really dived, and especially also in performance coaching, because I just... I really need to see something happening in your life, whether it's you're winning more, you're financially better off, you're exercising every day, you're, something is shifting, something is happening that we can actually quantify, that we can measure, not just, yeah, I'm, I guess I feel okay, better-ish now. <laughs> I guess it's resolved, kind of. Like that's, that's not what I want. I really want, you know, I've, saw, I've seen an interview yesterday where somebody spoke about a mindset coach and they said the effect that it had on them and they couldn't really quantify it, but it felt good. And I was like, that's not the way I want people to talk about me. I want them to actually say, yes, it worked. And I can give you five or six specific reasons why I've seen it work for me. And that's your job as a coach yeah. is to make it plain to them. And it's funny, I circle back, you know, I stay in touch every 90 days or so with clients. And I will tell you that after we've healed the wounds and we've made the changes and things are working on all cylinders, six months later, they have a distant memory of the pain they went through. Mm -hmm. It's like childbirth. It wasn't that bad. Okay. At the time you wanted to kill everyone you laid your <laughs> eyes on. Yep. At the time you were, you know, wanted to slay your husband standing next to you. <laughs> At the time it was very, very hard. And so I sometimes have to give them the things they said back to them to remind them. 
we, we climbed a 14,000 foot mountain together. It wasn't 2000 feet. Mm. We went to the peak, remember? It was mm. long, it was arduous. You did great work, but this was not a little thing that you mm -hmm. accomplished. But I think it's human nature to look back and say, yeah, you know, but things are great now. It's like, yeah, and you did a lot of work to get there and I helped you with that work. So yeah, sometimes you can feel a little discounted because the in the human condition, the memory fades of the difficulty or the trauma or what the challenges were and you're happy now. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, I'm sometimes surprised when I say, it wasn't that bad. Did you just say that? <laughs> it wasn't that, okay, let me just catch you up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you said at the time, I'm so glad that the memory is so healed, you think it wasn't that bad, that you need to continue to take credit for the amazing thing you accomplished because it was a big challenge. Mm. Oh, you're right. I did say that. Oh, you're right. That is how it was. So. <laughs> That's so interesting. Um, what are the main things that you've noticed with basically everybody from the finance or tech or big money guys, what have you noticed that they require the most, that they need you the most for? You know, I think to trust themselves. I think that's probably an area that you work in also. Mm -hmm. There, it's, um, especially in the VC world, it's a shark tank, you know, they're barracudas. Um, you know, the risk profile that you're in is pretty large. And even if you made a chunk of money, um, for instance, like Tim Ferriss, you know, um, his four hour work week thing blew up. You know, he had these really um, tough catalysts, went through a mini nervous breakdown and figured out how to do the four hour work week. I don't know if you know his story. Mm -hmm. And um, then uh, replicated it in his business, made a ton of money, sold the business. Well, he has a lot of money. He's a young man. Now what? So he became an angel investor. And I think that lasted about seven years and then that got old. But that world is very different. You know, can you pick a winner? Mm -hmm. um, who's behind it? What's the other money look like? Is the money hot money? It's in and out a year? Or is this a longer term investment? Understanding how that gambling game is played and who are the players on the field, if you will, Who's the CFO? Who's the CEO? Do they have a track record? What mm. is the business vertical that they're in? Is their idea a better mousetrap? Or is it just a shinier mousetrap that works the same? You know, understanding all those components. The management of that risk and the, the ability to trust yourself is really the core component. And then also to forgive yourself if you swing and miss. Mm. You know, I got up to bat and I struck out. And that's going to happen sometimes. And it's one thing to know every bet I make is not going to be a winner. It's another thing altogether to be in a losing scenario. In the moment, you question everything. Your confidence is shaken. And um, maintaining that core center of, you know, I'm going to get 7 out of 10 right. And that still works for me. If I do four in a row, I'll stop and really reconsider. But one loss is not enough to shake me. Being able to talk through that with someone where you're being judged by your peers. And it's now not about how much money you have. You have houses, you have global travel, you have all the stuff you could have. Now it's about reputation mm. and, winning and uh, whether or not you're good at this. So that's just a different thing here. But yeah, maintaining that core confidence in your discernment, I would say, is one of the biggest pieces. Mm. And... Corona, right? COVID. 
How are things affecting you? Is it even affecting you? I mean, I'll be honest, I'm losing my mind a little bit. I'm seeing now the, the second wave and I can't travel and I want to travel. This is because, you know, I've, I've started this because I've, I love traveling. I love to meet these people and clients and everybody's saying, hey, I would love to meet you. I'm like, ah, I can't travel, man. Yeah. Well, this too shall pass. It is hard. Um, you know, I think I wrote a tweet that said, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we were in 18 weeks of two weeks to slow the spread, you know. And so um, this sort of never ending, constant moving of the goalposts and the global uncertainty of it all. Mm. You know, um, my dad used to have a saying that um, champagne doesn't make you a bimbo. It reveals you as one. <laughs> <laughs> and so COVID <laughs> Smart man. has been like a spotlight on people that cannot manage anxiety, cannot manage uncertainty, cannot manage change. Um, and cannot manage uh, downtime, you know, in their house with their family. Mm. So um, it's just put a spotlight on all of that. So if those were areas that were not strong and your work was really where your identity was and really kept you going, and now you're sitting in a home office by yourself, you know, seven, eight, ten hours a day, mm. it really does reveal what some people need in terms of support, areas that they haven't shored up and worked on because they were busy and things were working. Yep. So, um, but the generalized anxiety for everybody in the world, I think it reveals um, people how they, what their coping mechanisms look like. Is it their friends? Is it their family? Is it their faith? Um, you know, how did you, how do they build community with distance? Um, you know, so I do think um, from a coaching perspective, it's revealed challenges people were not paying attention to like that glass of champagne and so now they can work on that if they want to interesting so interesting so what do you got planned what's what's for you now in 2020 some things that you want oh, to do well, now i'm going to do a digital course with someone that's in the twitter group that you and i are in jason andrews and we're going to talk about how to cope with covid Awesome. Um, yeah, so we're going to do a group class. We're designing it now. Uh, we're calling it mjmasterclasses.com for Myrna and Jason, <laughs> Jason Andrews. And um, he's a hypnotherapist and an NLP master. Hmm. And so um, I'm bringing coaching and the tool of EFT or tapping, the emotional freedom technique. And so we're just going to go through a toolbox for a few weeks with people that sign up about, well, this is something you could try. Try that this week and see if it works. And mm. if it works, using it. If it doesn't, try the tools we share next week. Because there are some people with empty toolboxes mm -hmm. who just don't have what they need to cope with this crazy thing nobody ever expected. You know, mm. So um, it's okay to not have these tools if you've never been presented with something so crazy. But then go get them. So it'll be fun for us to, to provide them. Absolutely. Great. I'm yeah. very I'm looking forward. Other than getting through the second wave. Mm. <laughs> What's going on for you? Oh, just I'm, I've been really diving into so many different things and I'm finally now tuning in like, okay, this is kind of, okay, I got it. This is what I want to do. Like I've been, uh, I started in um, April and I quit my job in July. And just, it was just, I got into, oh my God, it was so fast. It was so fast. It was, I couldn't even keep up. I had no idea what was happening. I had, all of a sudden I had so many clients. At the same time, I 
job was going bankrupt. So I lost my job and they, in the meanwhile, they were offering me a new contract in the new startup of the company. So I had to make so many decisions and I was going through so many emotions and also through the joy of getting so many clients and having uh, my business partner and, and uh, a big team around me all of a sudden. And um, do I sign the contract? Do I don't sign the contract? Uh, you know, my fiance at home studying, I wanna, you know, support her as well. So there was so many things going on for me to um, decide on. And I made all the decisions. Hopefully they're, <laughs> they're the right ones. Yeah. Um, so now it's also a little bit of, I, I, I really needed to just a little bit of time to emotionally process these as well. Like I miss my coworkers. Uh, my job that I had was actually my dream job. I worked for at least six years to get there, working with highly intelligent young people and adults. And it was just a dream to work between those that, that demographic of people. And the coworkers were extremely talented and smart. So all of a sudden that was gone. And I worked by my own clients, feeling a little bit of imposter syndrome. <laughs> um, yeah, so at first, obviously, it's just like, wow, I don't know where you guys are listening to me, but okay. <laughs> Is this a... Well, but that's the value of getting results. You can yeah. relax. Yeah, Wait, definitely. Wait, the needle, you got results, it's working. I don't have to question it. Yeah, exactly. So took a little bit of time to emotionally process it as well because it just went too fast. I got overloaded, had a little bit of anxiety, took a week off, and now, uh, yeah, I'm focused in. I'm like, yes, I want to make... I'm working on an audio course because what I've seen with my clients is that they prefer to consume things in audio while they're traveling and they're not the types to focus on a video for a long period of time. They put it in the ears, fitnessing, airplane, whatever they are. Uh, so that's what I'm working on and I'm also working on making a journal like very okay. uniquely just for professional gamblers and a couple of things are in the works as well. But I'm trying to focus on one thing at a time because I'm, I get excited about a lot of things, so I'm really tuning in on one thing, finishing it, moving on to the next. Uh, also, I mean, people call me boss. It's so weird. I, I can't. I'm just <laughs> like, what, dude? He's. I know. It's like you're my friend, but he's my employee. But I, it's really hard for me to. So I'm working on leadership, reading books, and trying to get comfortable with that new role as well. Well, I have a. I have a book to recommend to you, and I'm not remembering but Annie Duke, the poker player. Have you read her book? Um, I've heard about her. Not I've read her book. No. So you should read her first book, Annie Duke. And she talks about how um, there are concepts of decision-making that exist in poker that don't exist in the regular world. Mm -hmm. But if you can translate them to the regular world, you'll make better decisions there too. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so you might benefit from reading Annie Duke's work, uh, following her on Twitter. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, terrific. She yeah. was um, a doctoral student, um, I think it was uh, psychology, and then got the poker bug and made some money fast and never looked back. Mm -hmm. So um, got a belt and got a bracelet or something and said okay i'm out i'm gonna raise a family but um yeah i think that might be helpful to look at how to functionally talk about the mechanics of those decision points mm -hmm. and sort of the mental errors that we make sometimes i'm trying to think she has a way that she talks about how the future does not necessarily prove the past where you think i've done this sequence three times before mm -hmm. and so i assume the fourth time it's going to work out the same way and in poker, you know that that's not true. Mm -mm. It's not true. 
but the brain thinks it is. And so um, to step back and dismantle that thinking will make you a better decision maker. So I think the work you're doing with gamblers and um, folks that are in crypto will translate the way Annie Duke is translating her lessons in poker to the business world. So you start in this corner of folks that you're helping, but the lessons they're learning will serve them in all the parts of their lives. Yep. And so, yep. Well, I'm really excited about what you're doing. Thanks a lot, Myrna. Me too. And I'm, I'm very excited to see where you're going this year in a course with Jordan. Is that right? Jason. Jason. Jason I'm sorry. Yeah, Jason. Oh, okay. That's good. Yeah, that's no, yeah. fun. We talked about it yesterday. And I gave him his last out. I said, okay, Jason, now this is our, our place. Uh, you can say, Myrna, I don't want to do this. And then after tomorrow, you can't say that. <laughs> I'm still in. Let's do this. And I'm like, all right, I bought the URL. Here we go. <laughs> awesome. I'm excited to, uh, to see where that's going to go. I think you'll partner with some other coaches, too, and some other professionals. As you get your feet under you with your stuff, you'll mm -hmm. find complimentary people to do other things and learn and grow and, and borrow their audiences as you grow your own. So, um, yeah, as you have your audio course ready, let me know. I know a young woman who plays poker as a hobby. Mm. Um, she doesn't ever want to do it full time, but um, she's almost always the only woman at the table. And, um, you know, it's funny to hear her tell the stories. She's 100 pounds soaking wet, long blonde hair, and they don't know what to make of her. And, you know, she can't, she doesn't have much in the way of tells, and they just buy her drinks. They don't know what to do with her <laughs> at the poker table. So that she works that to her advantage. It's, a, it's an advantage. Absolutely. It's a life form at the poker table. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Thank you, Mina King. We can find you at MinaCoaching.com and at MK Texas on Twitter. Um, on LinkedIn. Man, I forget about LinkedIn all the time. Uh, on LinkedIn as well. Uh, how do you how do you find you on LinkedIn? Oh, just Myrna King. Myrna uh, King. At LinkedIn. So, and the best way to refer people to you is with your Twitter handle. Is that the best way? I think so. Yeah, I think at so. Coach Bauman. Yep, at Coach Bauman. Yeah, people can find me there, definitely. Yeah. Good. Well, I have a poker player to refer to you and an interviewer to refer to you. And I'm so excited about the global practice that you're building. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank Thanks you. Thanks for the opportunity, Coach. Absolutely. We'll have to chat again soon. Well, see you next time. All right. Bye-bye.